are you ready to get cooking? Yeah. Help me in. All you need are the right ingredients. Interviews. Home Cooks. and everyday crazy people for a lovely meal. Welcome to JJ Jackson's Food Tips. The basics and beyond. The gourmet kitchen is indispensable. Now. 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 The doctor of funk himself, J.J. Jackson. Wow, J.J. Well, it's great to be here. I was a rock and roll DJ for a lot of years, and I was fortunate to play in markets across this country and a few others. Stations like WCPA, Clearfield, Pennsylvania, WRKT, Cocoa Beach, Florida, WRFC, the fun-loving 96 in Athens, Georgia, WQXI Atlanta, Georgia, The Big Ape, WAPE Jacksonville, Florida, G98 WGCL Cleveland, Ohio, KSON AM and FM San Diego, Cool 108, The Twin Cities, WFOX Fox 97 Atlanta, Mix 105.7, Cool 105.7, and WGST Radio in Atlanta, and a short stint at Armed Forces Radio in Bahrain. Food Tips The Basics and Beyond is about celebrating life, good food, good friends, and good times. If you're a foodie, and even if you're not, you'll love the interviews, wine recommendations, recipes, and so much more. I'm betting you're going to have a good time. Excuse me, everyone, if I can have your attention, please. This is Sethy Spice, host of the Elastic Glam Breakfast Show on Medway Pride Radio. This may be the first time I actually go back to the kitchen with an empty plate. Um... Thank you. Bloody delicious. You're listening to the Worldwide Podcast of Food Tips, The Basics and Beyond with J.J. Jackson. And in food news, time for Food News. Food News. On Food Tips, The Basics and Beyond. Lose is good food for your mind. Food News. Okay then, Food News, Food Trends this year. Top of the list from catercow.com is mood food. What is mood food, you ask? Well, it depends on what mood you're in, but we're confident that almost all moods call for comfort foods. Mood foods describes our favorite homestyle foods. That is, the food that leads to feelings of nostalgia, contentment, comfort, and security. So some examples could include soups, macaroni and cheese, baked with a cracker topping, mashed potatoes and gravy, cheesy lasagna, slow-cooked pork. Do I have to go on? Mood food's trending status this year may be the reflection of a greater need for a collective safety blanket. Or it might just be the continuation of the asynchronous pattern of humanity that we simply love warm, savory foods. Next on the list, island flavors. Citrusy flavors like pineapple, passion fruit, and soursop are trending this year, whether that's for sweet or savory dishes. Other popular fruit flavors include dragon fruit, guava, lychee, and pomegranate. And don't forget the coconut. And hey, Caribbean spices are also flying off the shelves and falling into the mixing bowl. These spices include allspice, nutmeg, ginger, and they also show up in sweet and savory dishes alike. I'd like to add some of the Middle Eastern spices as well, like za'atar, sumac, and Aleppo pepper, just to name a few. Okay, and this one keeps sticking around, pardon my pun. 
Butterboards are again immensely popular on social media. They're like a charcuterie board that's been dipped in all things yummy. To make a butterboard, you take a large surface like a chopping board and slather with thick butter, cream, cream cheese, hummus, or any other type of dip. Next, you sprinkle or dribble toppings across the top. You might pick nuts, seasonings, sauces, honey, or lemon zest. Anything that's going to be yummy when scooped up by bread or crackers at your dinner party. I got a photo of one we've done, and I'll send it to you. Just uh, write to me, radiojackson at gmail.com. It's gorgeous. This is John Leslie, host of the world-famous podcast, Talking About Radio. Right now, you're listening to J.J. Jackson and his podcast, Food Tips, The Basics, and Beyond. I'm talking with Chris Pels today. Chris, uh, it's, is it a website, blindgrilling.com? Yes, sir. Yeah, website, blindgrilling.com. Okay. You would think to yourself, uh, as, as, a, as a sighted individual, uh, that uh, grilling and being blind don't mix. But apparently they do, don't they, Chris? Well, yeah, they, they can with a few, um, you know, brave souls that want to try it. Absolutely. You weren't born blind. Is it a recent thing that happened with you? So I, I haven't had any usable vision for about uh, 15 years now. I have a degenerative eye um, uh, diagnosis called RP, retinitis pigmentosa. I'm aware of that. And so I've, I've lost my vision over time, but uh, for about 15 years now, I've, I've had no usable vision. Having been sighted before, were you, were you a cooker or griller then? I was not as much, um, and more just so for myself and family. Um, but, uh, I've actually done more, uh, since losing my sight, um, gotten more in, involved, more, uh, more knowledge, more competitions, you know, just, it's really taken off actually, um, since I've lost my sight. When did you decide to start blind grilling? Back in 2016 and maybe even just before that, I wanted to get with my, uh, my kids and try to, start the YouTube channel and just to record and have a record of recipes and just good times with my kids and teach them how to cook. And as individuals started finding the YouTube channel and contacting me with, you know, who had visual impairments, um, just thanking me for the content, it, it kind of morphed into, you know, going from a record for, you know, of my kids and myself to, uh, encouraging others with visual impairments to uh, to try things that they thought maybe they couldn't anymore. Are you doing uh, podcasting as well with YouTube, or are you just on just have a YouTube channel? No, we we uh, after after the the whole shutdowns and everything that happened, and and of course the kids grow up, move away, and became become a, empty nesters. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't have my videographer anymore, and so. Um, we started podcasting and, uh, started blind grilling experience, which, uh, you know, it started three years ago It and it, it really didn't take off until the third season, which is this year, 2023, when, uh, I went from just doing it whenever to a, a dedicated, you know, at least twice a week, every once in a while, a special episode in the middle of the week and, and been going strong all year long. That's great. 
That's great. I, now, this podcast was uh, based on a food show I did in Atlanta on WGST Radio about 20 years ago, and I just started it in uh, May. So uh, we're in season two now. We're going to try and do like four seasons per year. And with you, I heard about you from a podcast that I was on called Talking About Radio with John Leslie. He told me about you, and I said, well, that's perfect for my show. I mean, uh, give me all his information. Let's get let's get him on here. Let's see what Chris is all about. So this is uh, this is great that you're doing this with us today. I'm uh, I can't believe how many things you could influence with people that are what I like to call uh, handy capable. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's it, too often people, there's a mentality that, you know, when there's obstacles in the way, you either stop or give up. Um, but we, we can not only find ways to go around, but sometimes just to bust right through and, um, and, and accomplish things. And, and the biggest, the biggest thing that I think is important, uh, to many people who are, um, you know, capable, um, is independence. Uh, because sometimes we need, you know, for those who are blind or visually impaired, needing sighted assistance, can be either frustrating or just not available. Right. And so if we can provide a means or a way to show someone, you know, this is how you can accomplish certain tasks without any sighted assistance whatsoever. uh, It not only gives them a sense of independence of accomplishment, but they, they become productive in their, their, their family, their own lives, their neighborhood. And it really spreads throughout the community uh, and uh, it, I think it really changes the mentality of society when they look at those who uh, they viewed as disabled in times past. It blows me away. I, I, I mean, I'm, if you like grilling, I'm sure you like cooking indoors too, as well, don't you? Uh, oh yeah, and that's uh, the you know the the podcast and and uh, the social media for the most part, while it's labeled blind grilling experience i mean we do sous vide we do air fry we awesome. we cook we we do everything that that's related to food um you know and and uh flat top griddles um you know smoking grilling what, whatever it is and and we try to experiment with you know charcoal like i said the griddles the pellet cookers um you know, indoor, you know, whatever, whatever it is, because not only do we have to eat, I like eating. So do I. (laughs) (laughs) Totally agree with you on that. Take, for example, a a Komodo or Komodo or a a green egg. Is that something that can be used equally in, in outdoor cooking? Uh, Absolutely. And and the ceramic grills that there's three main brands you mentioned, you know, the, the KJ or Camadou Joe, but being big green egg is what I have. And I actually promote the ceramic grills for one specific reason uh, for the blind or visually impaired. And that is when they're sitting at 350, 400 degrees, even 500 degrees, I can reach out and touch the outside of the grill and not burn myself. Exactly. Uh, You know, and so now it it can be hot and I may not want to leave my hand on there. But, you know, when you consider a metal grill where just a, a, 
you know, fraction of a second, you can leave skin behind and blister yourself. That's right. You don't have that issue with the ceramic grills. And so, uh, so that's what I love about them. I know they're expensive, but it not only can they be an investment with their warranties, you know, they, they provide a sense of safety and usually everything that frightens or intimidates someone who's blind or visually impaired about grilling, uh, they uh, mitigate almost every one of those fears if once you learn how to use them. Talk to us a, a little bit about how you how you control temperature and how you employ the other senses other than its sight. So. I know a lot of folks think about timing and and when I first started, I did a lot with timing. Um, you know, there's the, the feel test when it comes to steaks, you know, and, and there's the idea of the, the thumb and, and yeah, the first finger. Yeah. Yeah. Various right. Inside of your cheek, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those types of things. The problem is I found those to be inconsistent, not only depending on the, the cut of meat, but, um, you know, sometimes certain, you know, whether the thickness is off just a little bit from one cut to another, what, all kinds of variables right. can cause timing to go off or even the feel of it. Um, and then the different cuts, whether it's a ribeye or a fillet or, uh, you know, a flank steak, whatever it is, you know, there's going to be slight differences. And so uh, having a meat probe that's accessible is absolutely crucial. Not only can you be consistent one cook after another uh, but they have probes that are accessible controllers for charcoal grills that actually have fans that connect and an app for your phone and you know with it with technology today the phones have uh, screen readers uh, you know, I use something called voiceover which comes built into the iOS and so it reads the things that are on the screen to me and some uh, apps that are made accessible allow me to not only control my, my fan, but also monitor the pit temp with the probe that's there and the meat temp uh, with an accessible uh, meat probe that allows me to monitor, you know, what temp it is I'm cooking either meat or potatoes or whatever it is I'm cooking. It's going to be important for people who are listening to, to this show uh, to be able to get in touch with you because the things you're talking about, uh, they, they probably need a little bit more detail. Uh, what's the best way to get to you? So the website is blindgrilling.com. And of course my email info at blindgrilling.com, uh, is the best email to get in touch with me. Uh, and if you, if you were to search for blind grilling, uh, you would find me on just about you know all the social medias, um, and and the only thing other thing I would try to say is that it's not just for those who are blind or visually impaired. You know we have a lot of folks who are sighted that are intimidated by large cuts of meat for one reason or another sure. or different foods, and we we offer recipes and you know uh, meat probes for example are a way for everyone to be consistent and so we have a lot of tips and techniques and tricks that work for everyone whether you're sighted or blind visually impaired it doesn't matter awesome chris i want to get you back on here again and uh and and talk a little bit more about this there's so much more in depth we can go into but uh, uh unfortunately it's only a 30 minute podcast and 
there's a few other guests. So I'm, uh, I'm just enamored with everything that you're doing and, uh, let's, uh, let's keep up with each other. Okay. Absolutely. I appreciate it. This is Mike Tarno in the bustling metropolis of white Georgia population 923. Salute. Eh, you may be too young for that reference. Um, ask your parents. Anyway, I co-host with Richard Durrington, the Stay Off My Lawn podcast, which we like to describe it as informatively funny. And you are listening to the worldwide podcast, Food Tips, The Basics and Beyond, with your host, J.J. Jackson. Do you know anything about wine? I think I know somebody who does. Time for Super Wine Guy, Michael Gallant. Oh, yeah. Oh, he knows wine. He knows, yes. He knows. The original wine connoisseur. He's been to France. Whether you're looking for good deals on great wine or great deals on good wine, stand by for more food tips, the basics, and beyond. Michael Gallant. I love those things with my wine. It's the wine portion. We love the wine portion. The wine portion is almost my favorite portion, <laughs> even though I'm on it a little bit less because of Michael. Yeah, Ma- Michael really Michael, knows his wine. And Michael can't shut up. And so, <laughs> you know. This has got a cork in it. Yep. Oh. But not anymore. <laughs> yep. Gone now. So France, you know, we, we know my love of French wine is fairly legendary. Yes. And, and fortunately, there's wine everywhere in France, and you're going to get... You know, just amazing things for all kinds of prices. And this is an area that we have not talked a lot about. Um, this is the Northern Rhone Valley. Now, we've done a lot with the Southern Rhone Valley, Cote du Rhone, Chateauneuf du Pape, right. Gigondas. We've done wines from all those places, and they're lovely. But the wines from the Southern part of the Rhone Valley are usually predominantly Grenache based. Okay. And then they're almost, they're, they're blends usually, and they might be Grenache and Syrah and Mouvedre and Carignan and all this. In the Northern Rhone, Syrah is king. And so you, you just, all those wines, some of them are blends, mm-hmm. but the vast majority of them are Syrah. And, you know, they're grown in very rocky soil and very steep hillsides. Um, and some of the most sought after wines in France come from the Northern Rhone, from Cordenas and some of these places. This is a this is a, a cooperative in Northern Rhone. So they own some property. They make, you know, grow grapes and make their own stuff, but they also help out a lot of other people who have vineyards that don't have wineries. And usually in those cases, they purchase grapes from them, blend them, and put them into a bunch of wines. And and the co-op is called Cave de Tain, T-A-I-N. So Cave de Tain, mm-hmm. that's the name of it. Um, this is a, there's several areas in the Northern Rhone. This is from the Crows Hermitage, C-R-O-Z-E-S. And the second word is Hermitage, begins with an H, silent H, E-R-M-I-T-A-G-E. So the area in the Northern Rhone where this is from is the, the Crows Hermitage. Now, the Crows, is that like a, a, a region or a... No, it's uh, the, I mean, it's the name oh. of this region. I'm sure it's, okay. I'm sure it means something. And of course, I don't have that, you know, my French is... A little weak these days. Well, so. your pronunciation is awesome. My, my pronunciation has always been good. That's why when I go to France, I trick them. Because, you know, I go into a <laughs> they, place they or whatever. You know what That's right. I go into a hotel, a restaurant, whatever. I say a few things, right. you know, and they immediately go, oh, you speak French. And I always have to back off and say, I speak a little French. Let's, <laughs> let's, because I seriously have. I've heard so much French over the years. I have a grandmother who taught, um, who's not with us anymore, but who taught college-level French. I'm half French. And so I really, 
you know, I developed a, an ear for it right. again. I, I don't speak it enough to kind of be fluent, but I'm okay. So, And then this this wine, this bottling from Cave de Tain, from the area of Crow's Hermitage, mm. is called L'Esprit du Fief, mm. F-I-E-F. It's got legs. Oh, mm. it's got nose. It's, it's got all of it. You know, look how dark. And, you know, Syrah, oh. when it comes to Rhone varietals, Syrah is one of the darkest and the richest. And, um, you know, when you blend it in Chateauneuf du Pop, when you blend it in Cote Rhone and some of those other things, it adds a lot of depth of color and a lot of depth of flavor because this grape is really, you know, punches. Just this grape kind of punches you, you know. But still, you, it... With French wines, there there's a there's a a milder approach. Oh, absolutely! You know, you know. this is it's it's uh, it's kind of like a little selective thing. Wow. I mean that, but that, it's it's loaded with flavor. Yeah, loaded with flavor. Again, one of the, and you're right. One of the reasons I think is again, French wine largely, um, European wine in general, it has lower alcohol levels. And one of the things that I almost always come back to with French wines is balance. These wines are balanced. That's a good They're point. not over-oaked. Right. They're not um, hot. You know, they're rarely, the, they wear their alcohol well. They don't wear it, you know. And, and other places in the world, you know, they, they, they still don't always tame that. You know, right. and that's all about when you pick, how it ripens, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And part of it is, is these places of the world, the old world, as it were, have been making these wines for forever yeah right, for right. thousands of years you know right. i have a winery in beaujolais that i work with that the property it sits on the estate it sits on in the next couple of years turns a thousand years old God, the it's estate. Amazing, isn't it? yeah i mean we don't see that obviously in this country right. and i love california wine i love you know wines from new zealand and south america and all i love wine period but these guys have been doing it so long that they get it you know they know where to plant stuff they know how to make wines of balance and of texture. You know, this is Syrah, which normally you get some of these Syrahs from California and other places, and they are super, they got a lot of alcohol. They usually have a lot of fruit, Pretty so they bold. get balanced. This is 13.5, which alcohol, percent alcohol, which for Syrah, that's that's low. You know, it really is. And so this, you don't get any, you know, when I first taste this wine, I don't get any heat in it. There's no heat in the nose. No, not at you know? all. And it's uh, it, no over acidity. No, I mean this is just oh, you know great. And, and again, they they understand just like the Italians, just like the Spanish and, and other regions in the world is they mm. understand that you know wine is food. You know, and they don't. It's funny. I forever you know Americans treat kind of wine as wine. Sometimes we we would go to a bar and you know and order a, a glass of wine, a Chardonnay or whatever, and things. That's not the way most of Europe does it. Right. You know, they have some food with it. They do whatever you entertain. Um, you know, you go just to a bar, you have a cocktail, you know, or a beer. The French drink a lot of beer, too. And so, but... Um, yeah, you want to take a... a, a if, you, uh, you can see the way you... If you take a piece of bread, take a piece of cheese, yeah. then you take a little bit of wine and you mix that together in your mouth and you get this whole different palate sensation. It's... Uh, it's amazing. This is this is great stuff. Yeah, this has. I mean, again, the nose. I'm a. I am. I'm blessed that I have a great um, sense of smell, and so I rarely am surprised by a wine once I've smelled it. You know, once I get in the glass and I swirl it, and I sniff it. I'm like, oh, I know exactly how that wine's going to taste. I watch you do that. <laughs> I mean, well, 
you, you're you're doing it after you've uh, tasted it. Every sip, you after go that, back, you, you do sniff, it. Yeah, you yeah, taste, yeah. I mean, you sniff, just you taste. get to a point where you do enough of it. And obviously, I've been in the wine business a long time, and I've drank a lot of wine over the years and stuff. Is I just automatically do that. I I do that with. With other beverages because like it's milk? just yeah, or <laughs> coffee. You know, I go get my coffee oh, and I'm yeah. like, I'm like, oh, you know, let's smell it. And, you know, well, yeah, so, coffee's got a definite scent. Got so. a definitely, and so and so that's a, and I'm just I'm just used to doing that. And again, one of the things, and you're right, as I taste it, as I drink it, I I smell it every time. Right, you, know, you just kind of do that, and it wines change in the glass. Lots of things happen. You know, air. One of the things that happens with wine is as it interacts with air, once the bottle's been opened, once it's in your glass, it changes. You know, the air, the the, the mixes with the wine and makes it more expressive. All right, while you're on the, the subject, because mm-hmm. we said we would talk about this at one point, uh, the, the, glass, the glassware. Uh, uh, how, how much the, time do we have? Well, we don't. We got about another five minutes. So if you want to, just the the shape of the glasses, yep. the yep. Uh, the uh, temper of the glasses, yeah. uh, the you know, weight of the glasses. Uh, let, let's make it clear: you can drink wine out of any sort of glassware, a, yeah. a stemless, uh, you know, a rock glass, a, a, a water glass, a I red don't cup, care. a solo yeah, cup. I want you to drink wine, okay? Yeah, enjoy. But the truth is. If, you know, to really enjoy wine, you have to drink it out of the right glass. And it has to be thin glass, not a super clunky thick one. I prefer a stem. I do too. Um, because you can swirl it better and you're not, you know, this is getting fairly geeky. You're right. You're, you're not, not heating up the glass with your hand. You're not touching the bowl. Right. And so you're not warming up the wine. You're not supposed and, to actually you know. touch the bowl, just so you know. I know yeah. a lot of people do that and yeah. they think it's proper, but... Hold it by the spindle. By the that's stem. what it's there. Yep, yeah, that's what it's there for. And so, but you're right. There's a lot of studies been done. A lot of glass companies. One that comes to mind is Riedel. Oh yeah, R I E D E L, who makes a lot of different glasses. And what they've studied over the years is that where the wine hits in your mouth is very important. It affects the way you, the flavor is, whether the wine tastes. And I and I've done extensive tastings with Riedel people and other things where you try different glasses and go, no, no, that's the glass that tastes right out of that glass. And so it's everything from the height of the stem, because that affects when you tip the glass up, where it goes, shape of the bowl, you know, does it concentrate the nose? Um, You know, you got to have a decent size glass. I went to a restaurant a while back who they were doing a lot of wine. They poured through all the glasses and they literally were out of the wine glasses. So they gave me one of these, you know, cut crystal water glasses uh. that must have been six inches thick. And I, I just kind of looked at them like, really? Because we're, we're out of glass. I'm like, you know, I mean, find me a glass. Yeah. I'll bring, I probably have some in the car. I'll go get one if that, that helps. You that, know, so. And you know, the, the the glass you're drinking out of now. Yeah, this is a good glass. That's know. one of my favorite glasses. This is a Spiegelau. Right. That I believe Riedel bought at some point in time. So they might own them. So a lot of the, the great glasswares made in Germany and Austria, they have great glass factories and have done wonderful stuff. You, and bought, you can get a. I think you got you those know, for us be, a long know. time ago, and it's the only one we got left yeah. because they break so easily. Yeah, they do. And I've had some, and you just have to, you know, the truth is you have to replenish your, your glass supply because oh, yeah. they're going to break. And it's just worth it to spend some money on some glassware. You don't have to go crazy. I mean, no. you know, Riedel, you can get Riedel's for. Less than 20 a stem and some of these for 15, you know, go online to William Sonoma, Sur la Table, you know, those places, they, they have all kinds of different ones. Again, but find something you like that's that's not very thick. That's one of the problems with these glasses is why right. they break is, right. but it 
it's just going to improve your experience so much. Yeah. Now, this one that I'm drinking out of, this is uh, an RQ, a restaurant quality. Oh yeah, class. nice. So, you can is see it a from, uh, I I don't I don't know for sure. It looks like a Riedel stem. Yeah. yeah. So, so Riedel so has it's a little thicker. Yeah, exactly because it's gold. Riedel has a a consumer line that you buy, but then they also have a line that's very similar that they sell to restaurants. Mm-hmm. And the rear right, the glass is a little bit thicker, not enough to affect the flavor of the wine or anything, no. but it allows them to do more of in a dishwasher. I'll wash my good wine glass in the dishwasher, but I not that I won't wash. You that won't wash one. it, yeah. yeah and I, I don't put a lot in. I don't use any soap when I wash them in a dishwasher. Just, just hot, hot water. Good idea. And I take them out and I dry them and you know and put them away and they're fine. Linen but, towels. Yeah, linen so towels. Good leave, towels. And leave so. any lint or anything on there. Oh man, that's got a great nose, JJ. This is great <laughs> wine. This is. Uh, this is like one of my favorite things I've had so far. And uh, I know you like Syrah. I do too. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. The. Uh, just real quick, because mm-hmm. we're going to run out. We can do this on the next show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've noticed that from the time we did the radio show. Back in the 40s. <laughs> 20 years ago. And uh, now that the consistency of wine is better than it was then. There is no doubt that the quality of wine continues to improve. Innovation. Um, we were talking is we've done X amount of wine so far in this podcast and we go out and drink wine regularly and stuff is, and it is rare that we find a wine we don't like. Right. I mean, I'll find once in a while a wine I don't love or I don't, but it has nothing to do with the quality of the it's wine. It's drinkable it anyway, yeah, it has right? completely to do with, I just don't, I don't like that style of wine right. anymore as much as I did once. But yeah, there's not, there is so much good wine being made everywhere in the world. I don't care where you, you where you are um, and you got to taste it. You got to drink it. California is doing great. All of Europe is great, you know, Germany and France and Spain and Italy and all those guys are doing amazing wines. Um, and South America is coming on better than ever. New Zealand, Australia, all those places. Again, innovation um, has come in, uh, has always been there. They, they just continue to learn. It's a process. It's funny now, the biggest thing they're dealing with now is, is climate change climate, right. because a couple of degrees in some of these wine areas really makes a difference yeah, yeah. to the point where they're like, man, we may need to move to planting a different grape variety. We've been planting this grape for 500 years. Eh, it's not ripening right. Or it's, you know, whatever. We might have to move to something else. So gosh, ooh, yeah, yeah. Weird stuff in the world. Well, this is good. Uh, L'Esprit de Fif. L'Esprit de Fif. Crow's Hermitage. The producer is Cave de Tain. T-A-I-N. They're a good co-op in the Northern Rhone in Crow's Hermitage. It's out there quite a bit. Find it if you just find a Crow's Hermitage somewhere. They are the more reasonable Northern Rhone wines, Syrah, um, and they're just, you know, they're they're well made. They'll age for a little while. They're great with. I mean, I would drink this with a steak, you know, a nice hearty pasta. Awesome. You know, there's all kinds of stuff I would drink this. Price with. point on that? Um, this is yeah. twenty ish. Um, That's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. And and Crow's Hermitage again is. You can get them for 20 to 30. That's kind of the wheelhouse for Crow's Hermitage. Yeah, well, I would do that all day long yeah, for that yeah, wine. Yeah, that wine's definitely. that good. Yeah, I think so, too. So. Well, that closes out this edition of Food Tips, The Basics and Beyond. Thanks to our podcast pals from all over the world for the promos. If you've got a podcast from anywhere in the world and would like to promote it on Food Tips, send me a note, radiojackson at gmail.com. Great trends in food on this show. I got a great place where you can get your Middle Eastern spices mailed to you. Happy to send you that info as well. 
It's amazing how many sighted people visit Chris Pels at blindgrilling.com and check out his podcast. He's a bona fide cook with a virtual torrent of recipes. Thanks for being here, Chris. The name of the wine today was L'Esprit de Fief, an awesome big flavored Syrah that you could find for like 20 bucks. Check the prices in your area at winesearcher.com. Hey, you got questions? We've got answers. Write to me at radiojacksongmail.com. Have I mentioned that email lately? Anyway, until next time, I'm J.J. Jackson, and this is Food Tips, the basics and beyond.